0: Hey guys, ML here. If you're looking to start a podcast, start with Buzzsprout. If you let them know we sent you through the link below, you get, when you sign up for a paid plan, you get a $20 Amazon gift card. How cool, right? You get free money for signing up to get your podcast started. So Buzzsprout gets you the show listed every major podcast platform that you need. That's Amazon, that's Google, that's Alexa, every place. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio plays that you can drop into your own website, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episode, and so much more. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Welcome to Dove and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, ML Roostrock. Today's show is brought to you by Minter Brand Jewelry, for all your teenagers' jewelry needs. I'm here with special guest, Kimberly Gimmel, and her wonderful book, Smile Again. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. So this is a little bit about self-isolation and COVID-19. So obviously I don't have to ask you where you got the inspiration because 2020 was inspiration.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. But how did you actually formulate, okay, we need to do something positive in this time?
1: Well, for quite a few years now, I've been um, somebody who wants to uplift and show people that we can rise through great adversity. And my purpose was to inspire by my own journey when my son was born with a critical heart defect back in 1998 and not expected to live. He um, he was in the hospital for almost five months, had four heart surgeries, including respiratory arrests, cold blues, uh, renal failure, and so much more. So it was a bit of a miracle when at five months on Thanksgiving Day, uh, he had his final heart surgery to cut and switch his great arteries and repair his heart and uh, all patched up enough to come home. Aww. So it was wonderful, but it was a, it was an exhausting experience. You can imagine having a baby, mm-hmm. one of the most exciting experiences in your life. And um, we didn't know that he had um, a heart defect in utero. So when um, all of a sudden I had an emergency C-section because my placenta broke and it was it just, I, I, I um, almost, became unconscious because I lost so much blood. But luckily, we were able to get me into the OR for emergency C-section. And then when he was born, uh, uh, and I came conscious afterwards, of course, um, they they told me that I had delivered a baby boy, but he was very sick and a team of specialists from Children's Hospital were coming to take him away. So I didn't even get a chance to process all this, of course. And the next thing I know, he was being wheeled away before I could hold him I got to see him briefly as they carted him out but he was hooked up to so many machines and wires and and and...
0: it's scared to look at I mean right yes it it is
1: exactly I, I up until then I had lived this white picket fence lifestyle married my wonderful handsome husband and we had a beautiful little girl Jessie who was three at the time when Ava was born so our whole world was turned upside down and luckily my parents offered to Um, babysit Jesse because the hospital was two hours out of town and we took our RV there because they had hookups in the parking lot for out-of-town patients. So we spent the next five months basically living in a parking lot, most of it in the hospital, just a few hours of sleep in in the the Mm -hmm. van and and in the midst of it, um, about three weeks after Avery was born, my dad suddenly died of a heart attack at home and well Avery's fighting for his life and he was my mentor he was my best friend like this it just would what more could happen and then shortly after that our little daughter jesse got diagnosed with autism so this perfect little life went spiraling out of control very quickly and yeah, it felt like a tornado had lifted me up and landed me on another planet i mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a biggest wimp because up until then like i had mentioned i had this pristine lifestyle with everything going as expected and planned. And then this happened and I thought, Oh, how am I going to deal with this? But you know, humans have a a mechanism inside of them that can cope with uh, great adversity if they choose to draw off that resource. And fortunately I had the fortitude to do that. And, uh, I thought if Avery can hang in here and fight for his life, i got to be here for him. Mm -hmm. And it was a long haul, um, And I remember saying, making a promise to God and myself that if I could ever get to bring Avery home, I would be the happiest mom in the world. And I didn't care what kind of shape he was in. I just wanted to bring him home. So when that wish got granted and we were able to bring him home, I was, of course, the happiest mom in the world. But I remember the surgeon saying, well, I've patched up his heart, but I can't guarantee what kind of shape he's going to be in because he had gone through so much. But really? I didn't care. Um, because lack of oxygen to the brain when he had a cold blue and, and things like that. So I don't know what kind of ripple questions that's going to have. And now I'm dealing with this newly diagnosed autistic daughter to deal with all this mm-hmm. as well. But I was happy because for so many months in the hospital, we met a lot of parents and, and families, babies. Um, who didn't make it out the parents left the hospital without their babies so I was just felt blessed and people would say to me you know you're always so happy but yet you know you've gone through all this stuff and you have this life with these children and I kind of looked at them like they just didn't get it I was feeling blessed because my children were here with me and Mm -hmm. they were they were fairly healthy and happy and, and uh as it turned out, you know Avery graduated school with honors, even winning the Nelson Mandela First Working Student Award. And my daughter's won all kinds of awards for her volunteering. Um, she's 26 now, Avery's 23, and uh, they've done some amazing stuff. And so to backtrack a little bit, I, I felt this calling that I had to turn my experience into a purpose mm-hmm. to help others realize that life can be wonderful, even if it doesn't go as we expected or planned. And so I thought, well, you know, how am I going to do that? I'm going to write a book. And I thought, no, wait a minute. I can't write a book. My English professor in university thought I didn't have any writing talent and basically you know, was very candid about that. But he was not a very kind or nice person. And, but when we're young, we're very impressionable, and we tend mm-hmm. to believe what the experts say, what the professionals say. So I pushed the notion of writing the book for quite a few years and then it just kept gnawing at me it just kept and i thought well I, I guess i have to write this book i didn't know of course the first thing about writing a book but uh then i i started writing i just got to my computer and started writing and it came it took me five years but uh, it was in 2014 that i published it and uh, it, then i became a public speaker and did ted talk and all kinds of speaking events and and that, and that led me to now fast forward to all of a sudden COVID has come and I've wanted to write, <laughs> write it, it's like, and I'd wanted to write my second book a long time ago but time like where's the time to write a book it takes a lot of time and with my active life I'm like it just never happened it has got getting put to the back burner and then the silver lining of COVID was now I had time because I we were all at home we couldn't do anything all of the committees and stuff I was on were halted. Everything was done by Zoom, as it still is. Mm-hmm. So I said, now I have the time to write this book. So, I and I knew I wanted to call it Smile Again. And I knew it wanted to be about uh, anecdotes to prosper through and during challenging times, uh, finding the silver linings, finding motivation, finding courage, uh, building the belief in yourself that you can do things and it's never too late. So just a really kind of, I, I would say, Chicken soup for the soul with a twist of turn your wounds into wisdom kind of book. Right. So it's uh, and I use some examples of, of great mentors of mine who have made it through great adversity. One which um, a fellow by the name of Dan Dan Keplinger. He had severe cerebral palsy, no motor control, but he would strap a paintbrush to his head and paint these miraculous paintings. And his uh, documentary won an Oscar. So, you know, just things that help encourage people that even if they have limitations or things have happened to them, that, you know what, there is a way. If there's a will, there's a way. That is just the true saying, really, that I can ever say. And uh, so it, it just helps people. And I think during this COVID time, we need anecdotes like that. We need... We do.
0: We need positive because people forget everything positive they have going on until something dramatic happens, and exactly. you're forced to say, okay, maybe my life wasn't so bad six months ago, or right. you know, whatever it was before this event. I mean, before me, 2011, I was in and out of a hospital and up having two strokes, brain surgery, and my daughter's autistic. She was diagnosed right in that same time frame, being wow. autistic, so I wasn't expected to live to see my next birthday. Wow! Wow! Yeah.
1: Similarity. Oh yeah. My.
0: So we didn't know if I was going to see uh, 29. <laughs> I was not that old in 2011. I mean, what? seriously. Yeah. But no one expected me to be there, and now we have an autistic child that screaming and if you have an autistic child, you understand the tantrums, you understand the they don't cope with a change in routine. So now mommy's hooked up to machines in the hospital. And I don't remember much of the hospital itself, but there was this one time I had three adults, all my family in the hospital room with me and I, my seven-year-old daughter wandered off. Yeah. In the ICU, I can't do anything. And they had a call code Adam for an autistic child wandering around the hospital. Oh my it, yeah, it, it's, then you look at it now, 10 years later, you know, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know, my daughter should not have been in that situation because she can't handle it. But at the same time, it's a learning to smile, you know? If she didn't have the experience, she would not be the child she is today. She wouldn't want to be in volunteering. She loves to volunteer. She loves to help people. She hates seeing people suffer. Why? Right. Because she's seen mommy suffer. Yes,
1: yes. Wow, it sounds like our children have a lot in common because Jesse's exact same way because she she was three when Evelyn was born. And mm-hmm. then her favorite person in the whole world, her grandpa, who she wanted to see every day. She couldn't talk at this time, mm-hmm. um, but she could say, go see grandpa. And she wanted to see him every day. And then all of a sudden he's gone and we're gone because we're in the hospital. And she said one day to my mom, who my poor mom having to deal with all this, her husband of 40 something years is passing, her daughter being having a son born with a critical heart defect in, in the hospital mm-hmm. and now jesse with autism and jesse said one day uh, mommy daddy avery grandpa all gone she thought we had all left her she was mad, mm-hmm. and it broke my heart we would come out to visit on days when avery was stable and come for a visit but mm-hmm. then we'd have to leave which was just so painful for her because she couldn't understand why We were leaving her again. Yeah. The world didn't make sense. I tried to explain the best we could that Avery needed us because he was sick, but she was three and autistic. I didn't, she didn't comprehend that. No. You know, um, but what you said, like with your daughter, what you experience um, makes you uh, a stronger person and more caring, giving, loving person. Mm -hmm. There isn't a happier person that I know that gives unconditional love like Jesse. But like you were talking about in the younger years, it it, it was really, really taxing on us because um, the tantrums and the escape, she would escape as well and take off and they're strong. and, and you They really are. quite, right? Yeah. So many, many um, scary years in those younger years, but um, we were finally able to get a really good doctor that Said she was riddled with anxiety, and once we put her on anxiety medication, it made a whole difference in the world. Um, but unfortunately, the doctors I'd seen previously didn't want to go that route, even though I did. So I had to fight tooth and nail to get to see this uh, child psychiatrist with waiting lists, of course, a year too long. And mm-hmm. finally um, got what we needed, and it just transformed her her life. And finally and now because that was when she was younger and the world didn't make sense but now she's older she's in a really great environment with people that are like-minded and she's doing so much better we were able to wean her off her medication and she's not on any now
0: see my daughter she's turning 18 monday so she's not on medication now Mm -hmm. she took herself off with if anyone knows, you don't take yourself off of medication. You do, you know, but she took right. herself off and at her age and, you know, it's, I can't force her as her mother to take medication as 17, 18 years old,
1: right.
0: but she's so much happier because now she's seeing the world makes sense, at mm. least makes sense to her.
1: Yeah. Right. Okay. Good.
0: Yeah, it's okay. The world doesn't make sense to any adult right now, but it makes sense in her little corner of the world, because she can write, she can help people, she can volunteer. And if you can learn from an autistic child to smile, even when the world doesn't make sense, then you can smile through anything.
1: Yes, I completely agree. Uh, it's Jessie's helped so many people through this pandemic with her bright disposition and putting things into perspective, mm-hmm. and uh, continuing with her volunteer work and just that. Um, yeah, her demeanor—it's hard to hard to be in in a, in a bad mood when she's around because she's just so uplifting. Yes, it, it it is a blessing. You know, they really are. And when I look back to life the way I had thought it was going to go, you know, having the two children, they go off to school and and college or university, get married, have children, and, um, you know, that's kind of what the plan is, that's what we believe and think and it's supposed to happen, and when it doesn't, we're not really equipped to understand how to deal with this, you know, it's challenging because we haven't had any experience or practice or learning about how to raise a special needs child. Mm -hmm. Right. To pregnancy thinking, well, I better learn about Down syndrome autism in case, you know, my my baby isn't typical, you know, we don't do that. And uh, so, you know, we have a lot to learn. Um, And in time, we understand that it was actually a blessing, because there are wonderful people who made me who thought I was the biggest wimp ever to write a book, do a TED talk, become a public speaker, uh-huh. If, if Ava and Jesse
0: hadn't been born to me, I wouldn't have
1: done any of that. Right. I just mean, think I could.
0: No, we, we look at our children, and our children push us into a direction that we never thought we could, could take. Yeah. My daughter has pushed me to write my first book. She pushed me to write my second book. And I'm on book 17 now. Wow. Yeah, so, and then my I have my cousins that are, hey, you need to come talk to my class. You need to come talk to this one. I'm like, okay, so now I'm doing public speaking to schools and I'm so blessed because I get to do the Zoom meetings all over the world. Right. And for any author, get, go on to Authors in the Classroom through, um, not Zoom, it's um, Skype. Yeah. And you can go and talk to kids that are very impressionable and get them going get their imaginations going get connect to your readers connect to the younger generation connect to with them on motivation right right that's great
1: and that's where do you how do you find that resource
0: that is authors in the classroom through skype
1: okay authors in the classroom it is a free
0: resource to both the author and to the students or classrooms
1: Okay, I love that. That's great. Thank you.
0: You're welcome.
1: Wow, good stuff. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's my, one of my favorite things to do too. Uh, I love speaking at schools and I love speaking to the youth, uh, especially about not letting anybody squash their dreams because mm-hmm. uh, of, of what anybody says, whether it's a teacher, a friend, a mentor, a, a, a parent. You know, sometimes we, um, we're not in, in environments where we have a lot of positive people, telling us that we can do anything it's unfortunate, but we sometimes are in homes where you know we're, we're we feel um, insignificant and and not worthwhile. So uh, I love to talk to these kids and tell them my story and tell them how I almost didn't write my book because I didn't think I was good enough or smart enough because of what somebody said and how to let them know that nobody the, the one beautiful thing that that we have that nobody can take away is our own thoughts and our own choices. We have that ability, and we have that ability to not listen to the naysayers. Yes. People yeah. say you can't. It's a choice, you know. And and we have the choice to say, I'm not going to listen to you, you know. And and I like to let these young ones know because, like I said, with me, I was young and impressionable and believed what the experts say. So you we know, don't to let them know to not let anybody no matter who it is, squash their dreams Mm -hmm. because it's just, they don't have that right to take that away from you.
0: No. And the thing is when you're in school and this is really bad right now in the schools is the bullying. If you have seen so many people, so many kids suffering from being bullied you have the eight-year-old that has committed suicide. You have the 10-year-old that committed homicide, then suicide. You have all these negative, impressionable children, and they're so young yes.
1: Yes.
0: that we need to do something for. We have to tell them, no, don't listen to right. Tally over here or Bobby over there, you know, whatever the kids are. You have to be your own person. And it's yeah. hard, especially with social media, especially with ev- all the mediums that we have out there now versus what we had in the 80s and 90s when I was growing up. I mean, it was bad then, but it's horrible now. Yeah. Because we don't have the escape. We go home and then we're bullied on social media.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, it, it, depending on our home environment, we don't have the support that we need. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, even if we do have that support at our disposal, we, we don't talk to
0: them about it. Right. I mean, we don't talk about, hey, Sally was really mean to me today. They're saying whatever they're saying, or I was pushed into a fill in the blank, or they knocked my books out of my hand. We don't tell our parents that because either A, we are not validating ourselves to tell our parents even though they will listen, or B, our home life sucks, and it's no different at home than it is at school for us.
1: Right, and, and also I found that um, some kids are afraid to tell their parents because then their parents will do something about it, and then the retribution for ta- talking mm-hmm. will be even worse. Yes. They keep their mouth shut about it. So yeah, it needs to be really addressed and, and I think you know doing things that what we're doing is trying to create that awareness mm-hmm. um, and speaking to the schools and speaking to the kids, I I think that you know that's a, a step in the right direction to create that awareness because awareness is key. Once we are aware that we have options and we have things that coping mechanisms, we have tools, then we can begin to change and shift the paradigm. But until we have that awareness. Mm-hmm. It goes back to that old saying, we don't need to, we don't think we, if we don't know what it needs, it's broken, we, we don't know what needs fixing. Right. Know, kind of like thing. We, we, once we realize that we, there is an out, there is a way out and, and, and they have that tools. So um, awareness is key. And I think by talking about it, it's the only way that we can spread that awareness.
0: Exactly. We have a toolbox, but many of us don't open the toolbox. So we don't know what tools are there. When right. we take the toolbox to the school and say, here's the tools. This is how you use them. Yeah. Then yeah. you create a self-awareness. You create a, an environment where the child feels safe enough to address it themselves properly, not by bullying themselves. Yes, exactly. And, and I find that, um,
1: and I hear that with the, the COVID pandemic, um, it's gotten a lot worse. Mm-hmm. It's gotten a lot worse because a lot of the people who are bullying people are, are actually being bullied themselves. And that's what they turn around and do to other people. Mm-hmm. So now that with the greater amount of people who are suffering because of the uh, challenges that COVID has brought on, it's just going to be amplified. So we have to really be um, steadfast in our message and, and the more we can talk about it, the one nice thing about the, the social media and Zoom is we now have these, these avenues to reach out to get to people. Right, um, so right. That's one of the silver linings of COVID is we learned how to be better communicators. So I think that that's, you know, and that's kind of what Smile Again is all about, is, is about um, finding those silver linings that have us, that making the best of uh, a bad situation of a bad time. Um, I talk about the the pandemic in 1918, and in my book, um, I I talk about what they did back then to rise above adversity. And it's really interesting to see how they all rallied together to get through that pandemic. And they didn't have the communication networks that we have now. So we are pretty lucky compared to what they went through. Um, So it's just when you put things into perspective and and you – see that there are ways that we can cope and deal and, and get through this, it gives us hope and hope gives us optimism, which makes us smile. So that's why I call it smile again.
0: We all need hope and we all need a smile. A Whatever we're dealing with, we have to smile. We have to find that inner, inner peace if I can talk today. but
1: <laughs> That's why I <I'm> have a water cycle. <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. So while we're on the subject of social media, how can our readers and our listeners find you? Great. Well,
1: I have a website. Um, It's uh, KimGemmel.com. So it's K-I-M-G-E-M-M-E-L-L.com. And um, that they can purchase my book through my website. They can also Google uh, my name on um, Amazon. So the book sales are on Amazon as well. And this is what the book looks like. So in case any of you or this is on radio, right? No one can see. Well
0: <laughs> we have radio and we have video. Oh so. okay.
1: Yes. Oh good. So I can go like this and say, hey, this is file again. Yes. So on the, the cover of my wonderful lifelong girlfriend painted the flower. So it's um and I wanted I wanted a symbol of something beautiful growing through a crack. Yes. So to symbolize that, you know, even though things um, might be cracked a little, <laughs> beauty can still come through. And uh, that was the motivation behind that cover. And so my girlfriend offered to paint it because she's a wonderful artist. And and uh, proceeds, I'm sharing proceeds with uh, certain charities uh,
0: uh, as, awesome. as well.
1: Yeah, some of my favorite charities. I, I feel that it's important to give back. That you know. That, it is. That,
0: I mean, yes. as an author, as a, anyone is always important to give back because when you give to others, you actually receive self enlightenment.
1: Yes, that's right. It's uh, it's almost a little selfish because it makes us feel good to make others feel good, yes. but it's a good selfish because it's it's a win-win. I find that in that yes. situation and, and, um, I talk a little bit about the, the law of attraction in the book as well. I wrote how uh, thoughts become things and more good things get more good things. You mm-hmm. know, just like the, the grumpy negative people always are going to have grumpy situations and negative situations, whereas the positive happy person keeps getting more of that. So we keep getting more of what we already got. The the tricky thing is, is if you're in a bad place, how do you get there from here? Right. And... and so that was a challenge for me for some time when I wanted to turn my life around and find the good, and not dwell on the the, the negative. Um, it's but it's it's not that challenging once you practice it. It's like anything. Practice, mm-hmm. you get
0: practice makes perfect. Yeah. You yeah. This anything.
1: It's true too, isn't it? You know the 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 more you do it, that you know and and you have to have persistence. You have to have desire. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, in order to because. You know, things don't come overnight. Like a lot of the people who um, understand the law of attraction as, oh, just ask for it and it's there.
0: Well, no, no, no. It's not quite that simple. It, it no, was no. you have to ask for it. Then you have to take steps to achieve it.
1: To achieve it, and and you have to put your mindset. Um, like one of the one of the examples I really like is I remember years ago when Oprah interviewed Jim Carrey, and, and he was very poor, um, living out of his van. His, his with his parents and uh, he had aspirations to be a great actor but he you know, wasn't there yet but he would uh, get himself into the feeling of being there already and that's when he wrote a check for 10 million dollars and wrote it to himself and put it in his, his wallet and many years later that the check was almost disintegrated uh, he got the role in Dumb and Dumber which paid him 10 million dollars. So it, it was pretty cool. So you have to believe it. You have to make the steps to achieve it. And you have to uh, put your mind in the mind frame as you know it's there. It's just not in your hands yet. Uh, you know it's there. And so I, I like to give a little bit of, of anecdotes about how we can get there and how you know, I'm a prime example. So if I can do it, anybody can do it.
0: Right. Uh-huh. I mean you have to take steps, you have to work at it. But if you sit on your couch, eat popcorn out a day and complain about your life, you're never gonna get there.
1: That's right. Yes, yeah. And it's uh, that's where we, you know, have to understand that it is a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, what some of the circumstances that get delivered to us, like your stroke and, and Amy's heart defect, that is not a, a choice, but what we do with following it is. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I like to kind of get across to people that anybody can do it. It's it's no matter what has, what setbacks you've had in your life, no matter what limitations you have, whether they be physical or mental, uh, you can achieve your goals. And once you read Small Again, you you see that. And and um, it's only been uh, out for uh, not even quite two months yet, but I'm I cry at some of the comments that I get from people who. I just got a, a message from a, a person because my email is on the um, on my website uh, saying that the book has made her a happier person and a better mom. And another person has said, you know what, I've always wanted to do, um, what was it? Uh, I don't remember, oh, go get their drug and alcohol counseling degree, but they were already in their uh, late mid to late 60s and thought it was too late for them. But now they're like, I'm going to do it. It's
0: only right. a 44-week course, and I'm right. going to do it. It's not how old you are when you start yeah. something. Uh, the founder of KFC was, what, in his 70s? Um, Jai K. Rowling was in her late 40s, early 50s. It's not when you start it. It's when you decide to start it. Yes, yes,
1: exactly. And so helping people understand that there are no limitations. Um, and I talk about that, too. I have a, I have a girlfriend that's 86 and still plays on a baseball team um well not now because of covid but was mm-hmm. playing on a on a, a seniors baseball team at 86 she's got nicer legs than me <laughs> like, <laughs> cause, uh, so you know and, and so giving people hope is what they they we all need more than ever right now i think
0: we do. We need a lot of hope right now. We need that silver lining because we have to find it within ourselves. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if your silver lining is, hey, I just had a year at home with my kids and I relearned how to be a parent.
1: Right.
0: That is a wonderful silver lining if you look at it as I just had a year with my kids yeah. that I didn't have before because they were in school. I was working I just had a year to learn what my kids think.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. That's the right attitude completely, and um, I talk about that too in the book because I, I've left I leave some examples because I made a Facebook post kind of towards the beginning of the pandemic, just saying, okay, you know, let's try to make some positives here in this this dark, very time. Mm-hmm. What good things have You've been able to find so far throughout this pandemic, and I was um, amazed at the responses from people. Some of the, the things that they have found um, that they didn't realize before, and that they're more they feel more grateful for and, and appreciation. Um, so it was wonderful to see that during this time there was these people that are finding those silver linings. And um, so for people that are struggling a little bit more than others, I think that. It's imperative that they realize that anybody can, can find those silver linings, no matter who you are or what you do.
0: Right. I mean, we can find a silver lining in any major tragedy, because for every major tragedy, tragedy, I can't talk. (laughs) When
1: we talk a lot, it's like, yeah, you need water like me. (laughs) Oh, I
0: have my cup here. But, um, It's finding the positive because everything that is negative is teaching us how to find something positive. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. It may not
0: look like it. It may not feel like it, but every negative has a positive there waiting.
1: Yes, and it's hard to understand for many of us how could that be? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I felt it it was important to, to write the book because I use my own experience of, um, a lot of, of adversity and, and tragedy to uh, turn it around and spin it around. And that's uh, a great thing to be able to learn from that and then pass it on to others to pick up as, as well. Uh, I think if we all did a little bit more of that, um, we would, it would be a, a lot uh, happier.
0: We, we need a lot more silver linings in this world right now. unfortunately the best we can do is put out books do these radio shows the podcast and hope one person hears it and then that one person tells two more people
1: exactly and we're getting there we're you know it's it's happening i can see it already and from the feedback from my book i I see that i'm getting through to people and uh, from what i hear about all the good things you do too um it's we're we're making a difference and and that's that's a great feeling Mm -hmm.
0: we are one book at a time or one guest at a time (laughs) exactly (laughs) thank you so much for being on the show today
1: oh thank you for having me it was just a delight to chat with you
0: yeah this was fun and if you write something else please come back and let our viewers and our listeners know
1: Yes, I will. And maybe I'll come back to give you an update on where things are at and um, with, with me
0: down the road as well. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. And for all of our readers, our viewers and our listeners, happy reading.